your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. Welcome inside episode 225 of the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Piller up in Collingwood. And today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your first order. Well, it is here. The week of NHL hockey returns Wednesday. The Ottawa Senators are back Friday. And as he has for every single game since the Senators' inception in 1992, Dean Brown will have the call on TSN 1200. He joins us today to talk about upcoming storylines for the season and how's broadcasting the game going to be different without fans. And we get back to our organizational value rankings and Oh yeah, Timmy Superstar stepped on the ice at the Canadian Tire Center. All that and more, this is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Today is Monday, January 11th in Pilsy. What was the more exciting storyline coming out of Tim Stutzla's arrival? Is it the line he skated on or the house that he's moving into? I'm just so fired up. It was so amazing seeing Timmy Stutzla in that Sens jersey. And quickly, before I answer that question, how cute was it when he comes on the ice and closes the door so slowly? <laughs> like any other guy, your first chance in an NHL jersey hopping on the ice, you're like roaring out there. But he's like, no, I'm going to politely close this door, help people out here. But to answer your question, it's got to be who he's living with. Like when I heard that he was living with uh, Josh Norris and Brady Kachuk, that like just puts a smile to your face because I'm sure DJ Smith has been listening to the Lock On Centers podcast. He heard us clamoring and preaching for Timmy Stutzler to be playing with Dad and So that happened. Stepan kind of hinted at the fact that uh, he was going to be playing with Stutzler. So we kind of knew that was going to be happening. But him living with Brady and Norris, like those are three young guys. And the whole twist to this whole story is Josh Norris being fluent in German. Like that's got to be so nice for a guy like Tim Stutzler coming to a new country, a new team, a new league. And the guy you're living with can at least, you can at least chat in your home language with him at the end of a long day when you're probably tuckered out from using English all day. So this couldn't have worked out for be- better for Timmy Stutzler. And man, the the competition and the games they're going to have in that house while quarantine are going to be outrageous. And the Mark Stone mentorship rolls on through the eyes of Brady Kachuk. And we know what kind of leader Brady is on his own as well. You mentioned Josh Norris being fluent in German. I don't want to skim past that. Josh Norris grew up with his dad playing overseas. Dwayne Norris, who is, of course, legendary for scoring a golden goal for Canada at the World Juniors. He's a Newfoundlander himself. But from 96 until 2007, played in Frankfurt mostly in Germany. So if you go to Josh Norris's Elite Prospects page, his youth team is the Young Lions of Frankfurt. So he spent a good portion of his life in Germany. So having that ability to bridge the gap into North American culture is nothing but amazing for the Senators. We we heard when Dorian traded for Josh Norris that he's Brady Kachuk's best friend, but this could be another key reason why off the ice it's a huge fit for Ottawa. 
Hey, you got to have a, a English to German translator somewhere in your organization. You never know, right? But it's funny, like maybe Drake Batherson uh, is pretty fluent in German as well, right? With his dad playing over there and he spent some time there as a kid. I doubt probably perfectly fluent, but it's funny you get some German connections in here. Yeah, the it's it's so funny seeing him go with younger guys. Like almost always the the high pick, the young guy is going with a veteran on the team, but with the Ottawa Senators, Brady Kachuk is one of your best veterans at 21 years old. So I guess that makes sense and he's a guy that's going to be a leader in this organization like Timmy said it right off the top with his interview at, with 1200. He was saying, well, his uh, media availability, he was saying right when he got on the ice, Brady's like, Timmy, you're, you're leading stretches. Like he's not kidding around. He's getting him involved. And I think that's a match made in heaven. And those two guys are going to light it up for years to come. So he's living with Norris and Kachuk, but he had been quarantined with his stepdad. Yes, Derek Stepan, his centerman, and getting to know him right off the bat and not being completely alone for his first week in Ottawa is a nice bonus to have. But Derek Stepan is going to be his centerman on that, what do you call it, top line? I mean, it's your two most veteran players. I think that's probably the number one line. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to say any line Brady Kachuk isn't on is your top line, but I think the talent and the the way that that line's kind of structured, I would say that's the Sens' top line, yeah. So it's Stepan in between Stutzla and Evgeny Dadanov, what we have been asking for over and over again. Now the question is, Tuesday, what are the lines going to be? Because that seems to be when things will, you know, be pretty much set in stone until the NHL season. Because remember, everyone has to be on waivers by noon tomorrow to qualify for opening night, right? Because Ottawa starts the season two days after the rest of the NHL. Well, most, obviously, some on Thursday as well. And we saw the first movement there. Also, Max Lajoie, the number one defenseman to go on waivers for Ottawa. Do you think he gets claimed? I mean, breaking moves because by the time this comes out, we're recording just about 10 a.m. here. We'll find out at noon if he gets claimed or not, but I don't think the Sens need to be holding their breath here on this one. No, I don't think he'll get claimed. I mean, if you look at the list of players going through waivers, there's some talent there. Like, I can't believe someone's not trying to take a chance on Josh Josh Hosang going through waivers. Like, that could be that could be found money for a team that uh, isn't gonna harp on players for choosing to wear si- the number sixty six and can forgive missing an alarm clock uh, sleep in once in a while. So. There's, there's a lot of talent on these waiver wires, but I don't think a lot of teams are going to be picking up these types of players. So I bet Maxwell's Raw makes it through and we're going to see him in Belleville. Yeah, and we should be clear because the taxi squad. So let's explain the taxi squad for anyone who maybe isn't aware. It's new this year. So teams will have their normal roster as they would, 20 to 23-man roster. But then there's going to be a four to six-man extra squad that will travel with the team, basically the same as the Black Aces come playoff time that will have to include one goalie which makes sense you don't want the shooter tutors out there for for uh for nhlers to be shooting on but if you're on the taxi squad and you're waiver eligible you have to clear waivers so max lejoie could technically i don't believe he will but could start the year on the sense taxi squad after he clears waivers so just a little note on that and we'll find out probably closer to wednesday who that taxi squad could be but the scrimmage on Monday night is going to be an enormous one for the Ottawa Senators and then Tuesday tomorrow's show we should have a good idea and we'll break that all down right here so make sure you subscribe wherever you get your locked on Senators podcast and follow us on Twitter as well at Send Central where we have made the hashtag Nodak Sends a famous slogan and Pilsy happy 
Happy birthday to the K train. He turned 19. And how do you celebrate? Well, you knock a kid on his ass and then you put one in the back of the net. What a night. The Nodak Sens win 3 0. However, for the first time since 2018 19, 51 games, it's the first time they've been outshot. Colorado College outshot them 27 18. Quite the run of dominance, but you get outshot and you still shut out the other team. Yeah, not too bad. First off, shout out, stick taps to Tyler Clevin getting a goal on his birthday. And that was a nice goal because I think normally, especially a defenseman of his size, would try to slow that down and wind up for a slap shot. But if he does that, then the goalie's getting squared, guys are getting in lanes, and that's not going anywhere. He gets rid of it right away. It surprises the goalie and sneaks through. Happy 19th birthday to the K train. And yeah, UND, that's crazy that a team like Colorado College, really a basement-dwelling uh, college program in in this division anyways is out shooting them like that but when you can still win three nothing who cares what the shots look like at the end of the game man clevin what a guy you love to see it for for a guy like that right um just com- imagine he read the tweets that were going out about him when the Sens drafted him all corners of the internet just having their way and now he's got a gold medal at the world juniors around his neck and he's got two goals in four games in his NCAA career. Pilsy, if you go back all the way till his minor, like his high school hockey, he's only had one year where he scored more than three goals. So that's stepping in to a big situation and coming up clutch. So stick taps to the K-Train. We're going to get into another Nodak Sends later on in our organizational value rankings. But before we get to Dean Brown, the play-by-play voice of the Ottawa Senders on TSN 1200 needs no introduction, but we bet that you'll enjoy this interview. We bet so much. And when we do, we go to betonline.ag. Football season is wild. Like that weekend, upsets, quarterbacks, and wow, blowouts too. The Cleveland Browns winning in Pittsburgh for the first time since 2003. And if you have money on the Cleveland Browns like I did at betonline.ag, you are in a very good mood on this Monday afternoon. NFL regular season is done but the playoffs are even better place to bet there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we trust it's betonline.ag sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag use the promo code as well locked on so use that promo code locked on and you'll get 50 percent on your welcome bonus if you put in a hundred dollars they'll give you 50 you put in two hundred dollars they give you a hundred that is the betonline.ag way and Pilsy, when you're looking at hockey season, that's what it's all about. What's one bet that you can tell our listeners? We're not going to use Pilsy's pick of the week, but how about Pilsy's parlay of the day? Wow, I think we're on to something here. Yeah, I love the parlay of the day. I think we'll get into, I'm a fan of doing parlays. Not that I'm good at them, but I do enjoy uh, taking a risk there. We'll get to parlays once the season starts. For now, Pilsy's pick of the week, we'll use that, is Head over to betonline.ag. You can you can bet on division winners. Now, I know this is crazy, and it's a long shot, but this is a shortened season. Brady Kachuk, Christian Willan, they're tired of rebuilding. They said to their team, this is our year to turn the page. What if the Ottawa Senators do something crazy and win the North Division? Well, we're looking at plus 2,500 <laughs> odds for that. Hammer that hammer that because you don't want to be the schmuck that's watching them win game after game series after series and you missed out on those great odds so plus 2500 your ottawa senators the north division leaders 
flying under the radar, the Ottawa Senators this year. And that's why Bet Online had to go back and reassess is DJ Smith really the longest shot to make the coach of the year? And how about making the playoffs if you're the Ottawa Senators? Right now, if you think they will, and like Pilsy said, they only have to be better than three Canadian teams. You get that at plus 350. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get yourself into the action. And don't forget to use the promo code locked on to receive that 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. It's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Now we welcome back to the show recurring guest, Dean Brown. All right, we now welcome a very special guest back to the Locked On Senators podcast. He is PXP Ottawa. Dean Brown, how you doing today, man? Doing well, boys. Doing well. Hockey's about to be back, so I'm doing really well. Well, I'm safe to say in your almost 30 years now covering the Ottawa Senators, this will be a season like no other. How does the preparation change under all the situation with the pandemic? Um, you know what? I don't know. I don't know yet. My preparation will be the same as it always is. I've always kind of prepared the same way. Um, but we don't really know uh, yet what all the protocols are going to be for Friday when the first game happens. Uh, we just actually got an email uh, late last night, early this morning, uh, from the team saying that uh, the media will be allowed into the building this week. So I, they had to go through provincial protocols and the, the medical officer of health here in Ottawa um, had to approve all that. So uh, the media will be allowed in for tonight's scrimmage. And... Uh, um, throughout until uh, the game on Friday. So I, I, I don't know what the prep is because I don't really know yet what the protocols are. None of us have been in the building for a practice or for anything uh, yet. So my my game day preparation to the broadcast is exactly the same as it always is, but all the other stuff, hey, um, I'll, we'll find out this week. Definitely. Hey, you got to promise to keep posting those charts that you and Gord make before the games. I love reading through those. How long does it take you to to put those together for each game? Probably about three, three and a half hours, uh, you know, to, to do each one. It's uh, it's kind of funny when I uh, when I talk at schools and and things. They ask, you know, what what do you do? And I, I tell them, I said, you know, because um, a lot of people, a lot of people, for whatever reason, a lot of people think, you know, you roll in there at, uh, you know, at a quarter to seven and do the game at seven o'clock and all the things you say for the next three hours, you just know, you just automatically know all those things. Which of course. You know, you don't. It's like anything else. You have to do the work. You have to study. So I, I tell kids at school that the amount of uh, the amount of prep work that uh, that I do for uh, any game is about the equivalent to what they do for a midterm exam, not a final exam, but for a midterm exam. And then I tell them that I, in a normal situation, I I do that about a hundred times a year, and they kind of go, oh man, you know. But I tell them, I said, you know, like this job is not is not hard. You don't have to have a big brain to do this job. This job is like being a dairy farmer. This job is all about having the diligence to do the work every day over and over and over again. Lots of people could do the work for a couple of games or a week. But the thing is, can you can you be prepared at a professional level a hundred times a year and do it with the same diligence over and over and over again? And that's that's really what the job is. It's, you know. There are some other things you have to be able to do, but, you know, you, you don't have to be the smartest guy on the planet to do this. And, uh, you know, you just got to be diligent and being able to do the work and be prepared. 
Yeah. And that's a big part of your success, right? Is the preparation. I mean, you don't get to do what you've been doing for this long by just winging it. That's for sure. Now I want to ask you, have you ever called a game with no fans? Like, has there ever been a situation where, I don't know, maybe you're doing a midget tournament or something crazy in your early years? Like, will this be a brand new experience for you? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I was just trying, trying to think of, no, I've never, I've never done a game in any sport where there's no fans. And, and I've never, you know, I've, yeah, I've, I've never done any midget games or anything. The only, uh, the only uh, games I've ever done are NHL games. I went straight from CFL football to NHL hockey. I didn't, I didn't do junior hockey or anything. So um, yeah, I, I've never, you're right. I've never thought about that, but I've never done a, um, a professional sporting event with no fans before. Hey, you, you learn something new every year, and this is going to be a new uh, thing you're going to have to deal with. Now, I, I mean, you're probably going to have a similar answer. You're not sure how you're going to tackle this, but when you're doing the play-by-play, uh, often you'll allow the the fans and the environment to really tell the story of the moment, right? Like a big goal, hear the roar of the crowd and stuff like that. How are you going to adjust in that way? Like you're not going to be able to really take those kind of long pauses and let the atmosphere speak for, for itself. So have you thought about that in that sense? Uh, yeah, we will take those long pauses because there will be sound. It won't be live fans, but just like in the playoffs last year in the NHL, uh, the NHL once again for every regular season game has this. I don't know what the what the technical name for it is, but basically fake fans. And uh, I, I believe I I might be wrong about this, but I believe the NHL is using the fan sound algorithms that EA Sports uses for the NHL okay. uh, video game. And so the, the game, the game, the game senses based on the algorithm. I, I don't understand the science behind it, but it senses when fans would normally cheer or boo or whatever. So all that stuff is, is piped to us. And so we will like everybody else use that on their broadcast. So we will have the sound of fans. They'll just be fake fans, I guess. So are you telling me that Friday and Saturday there will be no Leafs cheering or are they going to have this geared up so that they know what the building sound is? And I know it's a backhanded compliment to our own fan base, but hey, it's the truth. So how are they going to deal with that? I don't know. Well, you know what? That's a great question because if that is a part of the, you know, I, I, I'm not a big video game guy. Maybe I should ask my son, but um, if, if that is a part of the video games, then that would be a part of this. You know, it's right. like, it's, it's simply algorithms that, you know, they have, they have determined are kind of most representative of the way fans respond in game to things. And I don't know if they've included that in their response to Ottawa Toronto games. I'll actually, you know, now that you mentioned it, I'm going to be listening for that because I, I, I want to know the answer to that too. Great. Well, we're going to be listening to you. I always sync up my TV to listen to you and Gord. And now it's been over 300 days since you and Gord have called a game together. This is a chemistry, a dynamic duo that's gone back so long. Is it going to be like riding a bike? I mean, Gord said that to Stepan yesterday. He said up a mountain. So is it a similar situation? You guys hopping back in the uh, in the booth together? Yeah. You know what? We're, we're very lucky that uh, it just uh, – our producer, Matt Hamer, says every year during the first broadcast, he says, you guys sound like you're in midseason form. Well, we don't, we don't really have any form mid post free, you know, it's just, it's, you know, that's what we love about you. Yeah. yeah. We, we just do it. And, you know, to be honest with you, it's, uh, uh, we shouldn't take it for granted, but it's really never been an issue that we have to get used to each other again. Basically once it starts, it starts and we don't do any, like I have people say, so do you sit at home and watch videos and practice? No, not really. You know, when they drop the puck, you say what you see and you move on, you know? So, um, we, we're very lucky that way. And that, uh, we're both very 
at home in the way we broadcast games. We're both very at home with each other. So generally, when we step back in each year, um, the first minute is like the last minute. It's uh, nothing much changes for us as, as far as that goes. And, and we're both very thankful for that. And, and you know, we, we like the fact that that's, that's what happens between the two of us because it's just something that you don't have to worry about. You don't have to struggle. Geez, I you know, hope it's going to be, you know, it just, it just is. It just is. What, and the other thing, too, is to be honest with you, um, and this is not just because we're older now. It's, it's kind of always been this way. We don't care if we make mistakes. We just say we made them move on. You know, just, those things aren't crippling to us because the reality is for anybody, if you're doing a three hour broadcast with no scripts, there is no possibility ever any one of them is ever going to be perfect. So if you obsess about the screw ups, then that hurts the parts that should be better or should be good. So we've never really dwelled on that. When you make a mistake, you just move on because they are inevitable. Yeah, that's probably the toughest part of the job is you're you're commentating on live hockey and it's it's impossible to be perfect all the time. Ross and I we cut out all our mistakes on our podcast, so that's it. That's an advantage hey, we hey, have you can't there. Tell people, <laughs> yeah, come on, a little industry secret there. But yet I still manage to be wrong a million times and say some things I shouldn't uh, or should have cut out. But another another wrinkle to this season, and I want to get your opinion on this from a play by play standpoint is. We got a Canadian division. That's you gotta love that. And the difference here is you're not playing a different team every night. You're gonna be playing almost these mini playoff series. Now, do you think that will help make your job a little bit easier when you're when you know you've got five games up against the Winnipeg Jets in the next uh, week or so? So at least you don't have to prep on a new new team and what they've been up to because you've been following them so closely at that point. Um, yes and no. Uh, it doesn't change the amount of prep because I basically have a template for each team that I basically construct over the summer. Like I have all seven teams a template, but what you fill in every day and the research you do every day, it changes every day. League stats change every day. New stories that you find out about players that you've dug up happen every day. And if I've used, uh, you know, some of the stories on Tuesday, I'm not going to use them again on Thursday, which means I have to go find new ones. And you like to have, you know, we call it the broken glass technique. We like to have at least one story between the two of us about every player in the game. So if a piece of glass ever breaks and we have to fill time, we have a story. Each one of us has a story about every player that's in the game that night and the coaches too. So we're, you know, we generally, I only use, I don't know, 30, 35% of the prep that I do but it's always there if I need it. And so even though you might be playing the same team over and over again, it's still new prep for a new day. And like I said, league stats change all, all the stuff that you have to fill in on your, on your sheet every day, uh, league stats change every day. And so do, you know, some of the things you want to find out. So it doesn't really decrease it. The only thing to be honest with you, the only thing I think it might affect as it pertains to my job is that I think probably, probably, and I'm guessing maybe I'm going to be wrong, but we'll see. I think proportionally as a percentage, I think fighting in the league is going to go up this year. You know, uh, every year for the last seven years, fighting has gone down in the NHL almost every year. Um, I think this will be the one blip year where it goes up because the fact of the matter is hockey's an emotional game. And when you play the same team nine or 10 times, there's people that you just come to hate. And so uh, I think that um, there's probably going to be, uh, more fighting and more penalties um, in the second half of the season where you're facing teams for the sixth, the seventh, the eighth you know, time. And, and so I think in that regard, calling games, I think I'm more ready to have more scraps in the games and more turmoil because I think that's probably going to be inevitable. 
I want to go back to what you were saying about the broken glass stories. That's a really interesting um, thing to have in their, your back pocket. And I wonder how many of those you didn't use. And I wonder, maybe you, you and Gord could write a book just on all your broken glass stories. Yeah, you probably could, you know, and some of them aren't really complex. Some of them are just, you know, some of them can be as simple as uh, this guy came from this little town in Slovakia and guess who also came from there? And there's another player and you, and you get into a conversation about this town is only 700 people. What are the odds that two guys from that same town made the NHL? Like it can be it can be as simple as that. Sometimes they're not really long, complicated um, uh, stories. But to be honest with you, like I said, of all the prep work that I do, only really use about 30 to 35% of it a game, but you have it if you need it. The other thing is because we keep it all, like I keep all those sheets. I have a file uh, in my office here where it's a, an accumulation of all those from every game for a full season. So, but during the season, the next time that, you know, Ottawa plays that team, I go back to my notes from the last game. And a lot of times, if I haven't found anything new about a certain player, I will just transfer a story about that player from the last game that I didn't use. So you end up, you know, you don't just crumple up the sheet and throw it away at the end of the game and don't use that stuff again. You try to, you know, stuff that you've uh, found out, discovered, learned, researched. If you haven't used it once, uh, generally you go back to it at some point. And there's some stories that are good that you'll actually use a couple of times, you know, like uh, I might bring a story back later in the year that I told in the first part of the season. I'll tell it again because it might be a different audience listening to the game. Or there's somebody going, Brown already told that story in October. The idiot is getting old. He's losing it. He's telling the same story twice. But, you know, like uh, you do you do, do that, especially if it's a good story. Well, one of the best stories of training camp so far is the arrival of Tim Stutzla. And I thought it was a great nugget that not only is he living with Josh Norris, but that because Josh grew up in Germany a bit, he can kind of help with the language barrier as well. But Tim Stutzla, when you were last on, wasn't even an Ottawa senator. There was the draft and then free agency. I want to ask you about the draft, but first, are you feeling a little intimidated? They added another Brown. Like, they're coming for you, man. There's four of you guys now in the organization. But in terms of Connor Brown, Logan Brown, and now Josh Brown, who's going to make the biggest impact of those three guys this upcoming year? Oh, boy, that's a really good question. Brown on Brown. Yeah, well, you know, uh, probably CB. Connor Brown um, already has made an impact. So I think, you know, that's a given. I think always when we talk about, you know, a guy's going to make an impact, it implies we haven't seen him do something yet or, or do it again if he's an older guy. Uh, coming back, can he still do it? So I think Connor Brown is the one you leave out there because you know what you're getting. He's in the prime of his career. What he is is what he is. And for me, he's the easiest one uh, name-wise because my son's name is Connor Brown. So it kind of it's easy. So sometimes, actually, I went up to him the first year and I said, uh, I'm probably going to slip. So do you mind getting called CB? He said, CB. I said, Connor Brown. He goes, nobody really called me, but I don't mind. He said, why? And I said, well, because that's what I call my son. So it's almost impossible at some point uh, during a game, I'm not going to call you CB. So he said, no, no, that's great. That's fine. Um, as far as the other guys in impact, you know, I'm, I don't know about impact, but I'm, I am anxious to see uh, where Logan Brown slots in because, uh, you know, he's super talented kid. He's got some things to learn about being an NHLer, but he's big and he's out of all the prospects that they have right now in the organization, he's probably got the highest skill level. And so you're just, uh, you're just interested to see, at least I am interested to see if now is the time when he's ready to be an NHL or, or you know, uh, make a step where, you know, more of his games this year are in the NHL than the AHL. But it's, it's, really, hard to, it's really hard to know if that's going to happen. And with Josh Brown, you know, I've, I've seen him before, and that's kind of one of those things where when the trade was originally made, um, when, they, when, they, when they signed him, 
you I started thinking, you know, where does he slot in? And and now you look at, you know, what their plan is, where, you know, as far as a, a system, it's not, well, it's not really a system. It's a philosophy. They'd like to have a puck mover and more of a defensive guy on the right side. And that's that's really what they have now. But one of the things that I didn't anticipate at that time, but now I do, and obviously they did, is that these games are likely to be more aggressive. And so, you know, I can I can see now because of the type of season it's going to be, the acquisition of a guy like Josh Brown could be end up being very helpful. He's very big and he's one of those guys that left in this league and there's not many left who is good at and willing to drop the gloves if he needs to. And when you got a young team like this and you're going to protect them and you think the games could be pretty aggressive in the first place, having a guy like him is not a bad thing to have. And having a guy like Austin Watson is not a bad thing to have. And, you know, you start adding a couple of guys, Eric Branson is a guy that isn't looking for fights, but not scared of them either. So you, you know, you've got some, you've got some guys now who are in that category, but as far as the Brown, Brown and Brown thing, I know what you're going to get out of Josh Brown. He's not going to score a ton of goals, but he's going to be tough. He's going to be hard to play against. I know what you're going to get from Connor Brown. My only question mark is, is where is Logan Brown and, and what's next for Logan Brown? Yeah, and as far as the the Browns uh, are concerned, I think I heard that uh, Connor Brown did lay claim to the nickname Brownie. So he's Brownie. yeah, yeah he's, he's got Brownie. So uh, the the other guys are gonna have to figure out what to do there. We need the TSN breaking news. The na 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 for that one, man. What a storyline. We needed to know the answer to that. Well, and, and now it's actually even bigger, you know, because you know, like what are uh, what are Logan and, and Josh left with? You know, like, because I'm sure they've been on there. Every other team they've been on, they've been Brownie. Now they're not Brownie. Maybe Browner, Brownsy. We're going to have to work with uh, some of those endings there. But yeah, and and Josh Brown, it's interesting because not only is a big, uh, tough guy, but he's also, he's still young. He's familiar with uh, DJ Smith. So I think that was a really nice pickup. Now I'm going to go back to the draft. Let's yep. let's put Timmy Stutzla aside. Who of those prospects are you most excited about from uh, the uh, the 2020 draft that the Sens just had? To be honest with you, and this is we're we're going down a bit, you know, like this is this is not high, but and I know probably a lot of people aren't, uh, you know, the the next pick, the defenseman, is obviously is the obvious one that should be the answer, and uh, and and I get that, but for me, interest level, Jake Sanderson isn't that interesting to me in the sense that. Uh, he's going to be in the NHL and he's going to be very good. You know, it, you know, um, for me, the goal, the Finnish goaltender that they drafted, I think somewhere in the seventies, 71, yeah, 71, 71, Levi Marilainen. This is a guy who is uh, in Finland gets an awful lot of praise, but wasn't terribly high on some people's draft lists. Most and, people didn't uh, think you would get drafted at all, let alone in the third round. And and every and everybody every goaltender in, in the uh, in the draft was overshadowed by uh, by the Russian kid Askarov, and so you know almost anybody else wasn't getting any love. And if you look at where Ottawa is as an organization, and you look at what they have now, and how young their goaltending is now, and everybody wants to move up to be an NHLer, I'm very anxious to see where he kind of goes in the future, because they're already very deep, but. His his resume is growing, and I'm not I'm not saying that I know at this age, you know, at 18, how do you know uh, that he's going to be the best of the group of them? But they have a group right now of young goaltenders, all with very very high plateau rates. You know, there's only two jobs in the NHL, two jobs in the AHL, and one job in the East Coast League. So you know where all the jobs are. Matt Murray is signed for three more years. Marcus Hogberg has got one year left. 
What about Philip Gustafson? You know, when he was a junior, if you remember back for Team Sweden, he was the goaltender of the tournament at the World Juniors. Yep. This is not a guy, you know, this is this is a very good player. Joey Decord has shocked everybody from his last year of university hockey down in Arizona all the way up because he, he basically put Arizona on the map. They had never been ranked in the top 15 ever in the NCAA, and it was almost solely because of him. Kevin Mandelese is basically coming out of junior hockey, one of the best goaltenders in the queue. And Matt Sogard, the, the super tall, huge Danish guy that they have who's playing out West, uh, he's got a great personality and he's got a ton of ability and he's huge. He's like six foot seven or something like that. And so Marilainen comes in now and he's technically behind all those guys. I just think in the next three years, there's going to be a lot going on with Ottawa's goaltending. And they right now have an embarrassment an embarrassment of riches in that position as far as prospects go and high level prospects, like not guys they drafted and they're just kind of hanging around. I mean, they have guys who would be a prime prospect and almost every other team. And so when you have a team like Ottawa, where there is going to be change over the next three years, to be sure, I'm not sure you're going to see any change in Matt Murray, but everything below that is a crapshoot. So I'm, I'm probably most, most interested to see where, Marilena ends up in the next couple of years because out of that whole draft, there's some things where they're going to be coin tosses as they always are in the later rounds, but you know what Jake Sanderson is. And that's, that's not going to be a surprise. He's going to be in the NHL and he's going to be outstanding. You know what I mean? Like it just, you just know that, you know, so that's not interesting to me. It's good for the team, but that's not interesting to me as a storyline to me. Levi Marilainen, believe it or not, is probably a more interesting storyline for me to follow for the next three years. Well, that's beautiful to our ears here on a goalie-friendly show. Back-to-back shutouts also for Marilainen this past weekend. He is uh, one of the youngest players in the draft, too, that August birthday. So two more years is he eligible for the World Juniors where maybe he can match Philip Gustafson as the goalie of the tournament. Now I want to go to a walk. You know what, Ross? The other yeah. thing, Ross, is you, you start looking down and you can remember, you, you memorize them all. You start looking at all the late pick Finnish goaltenders who oh, are yeah. superstars, not stars, yeah. superstars in this league. Well, and- you can stick with Carpat. Yeah, Pecorina years ago, seventh round pick coming out of the same system. So, and Mika Kippersoff, like there's so many good Finnish goalies and you're right. None of them are early picks. And let me tell you what, when uh, um, uh, Rick Walmsley, when he was the goalie coach of the Ottawa Sounders, after he was fired here, he started working for Hockey Canada. They didn't make a big deal about it. They didn't publicize it. I don't think they, I'm not going to say they kept it a secret, but they didn't want everyone to know. Rick Wamsley and all the people involved in coaching Canadian goaltenders went to Finland to find out what their system is and what, what they do as far as a, a, a framework of how they train goalies. Because as a percentage, no country, no country has produced more elite level goaltenders than Finland, yet in the hockey community, it is one of the smallest countries. So, like Yanni Irme. Yeah, Yanni Herme, exactly. <laughs> you know, there's just there, there's just a long list for a country that's only eight million people. You know what I mean? Like the the entire Finland is almost the same size as the city of Toronto, and yet you look at the the goaltenders they pump out. And so, anyway, that's that to me. That's why it makes a guy like Marilainen, which might not be anybody else's favorite thing to watch, that interests me. Hope you're enjoying our chat with Dean Brown, legendary play-by-play voice for your Ottawa Senators. But when the season, it's going to be a grind. Games back-to-back, a game every other night. Dean's going to need some energy. And where is he going to look for that? Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. 16 amazing flavors. 
eight chocolate with nut, eight chocolate without nut flavors. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. You chocolate lovers, this is the protein bar team for you. They're soft and easy to chew. I love Built Bar's texture. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy or girl. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They taste so good. All of the flavors bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. Now, Pillsy's pick of the week. You know I'm going to set you guys up with a good flavor. Last, last week, I gave you guys the new flavor, the dark chocolate cookie dough. I said that might pass the number one flavor before, but don't sleep on that old number one, the cookies and cream. That's one of my favorite flavors of all time. I think that's a classic that always goes good. Start your day off with cookies and cream built bar protein bar, the bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your first order. One more time guys that's go to builtbar.com use promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your first order at built bar now back to our chat with dean brown i love that well too bad gord wilson didn't grow up in finland maybe his goaltending career would have gone a little further than just, it did he just needed better equipment he got he, if he would have had better equipment gordy could have gone all the way i just know it hey so we're having him on the show tomorrow any dirt that we need to bring up with him um, no dirt, I don't think. Ask him, ask him about his goalie pads, though. The poor <laughs> guy, he, uh, way back when he, uh, because you know, they have that equipment sale, the senators have that equipment sale. I think, you know, like because we, we do the, do the games and we're around every day, we get so many benefits and so much access and those things, but we don't get, you know, like things for free. You know, like, they're just not, hey, Dean and Gord, here, take this. You know, that, that doesn't. Happen. So years ago, um, cause Gordy's still playing, still playing now. Um, I think it was Craig Billington's pads. He bought them from the team at the sale at the end of the year. And the, I think it was the same summer or the next summer he had his garage door open while he was mowing his lawn, I think. And then he went in for lunch and somebody walked into his garage in Barhaven and stole the pads. And anyway, so now he has another set of pads, which he also bought from the team. And it's another former center. There's, I don't think there's anybody who's worn more former Senator goaltender equipment than Gord Wilson, and he's bought every piece of it. So ask him about that. Certainly not Ben Bishop's though, hey? No, 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 no. <laughs> and you don't want Ben Bishop's mask either. It's dangerous, very dangerous. Yeah. He, uh, he used to wear a mask, and I forget the name, made by a guy <clears throat> that were not CSA approved. And not a good thing. But you remember when he kept breaking his teeth? Yep. He kept breaking his teeth because those masks, when he got hit with a puck, would actually hit him in the mouth and break his teeth. Because it's like a road hockey mask. Yeah, well, you know what? Almost. And he liked them because they were very light and everything. Problem was, they were very light, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to be careful. Didn't that happen? I, there was a playoff game. I think it was Sens-Habs. Craig Anderson got his teeth knocked yep. out, and so did Carey Price in the same game or something. There was, yep. there was a game that was the, where everyone... Pajot. That was the yeah. Pajot Hatrick game. Everyone was losing teeth that game. That's a weird one. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm with Gord. Same excuse for me. The only reason I'm not in the NHL, not good enough equipment for my parents, so I'll uh, throw them under the bus there. But for me, uh, for me, it was easy. I just wasn't good enough, period. Equipment wouldn't have changed anything. I just wasn't a good enough player. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's you. That's usually the case. Yeah, especially. Um, so I want to ask you. Look, this is short season, crazy yep. circumstances. Is it possible for this team to go on a run and somehow crack the top four of this division? And if it is, 
who is going to be the main reason that it happens? Uh, you know, hey, you know what? It's it's hockey. Of course, anything is possible. It's more probable they finish last, but you can't say it's not possible. And I, you know, I'm not. Uh, I'm. People think that I'm defending fighting. I'm. I'm not defending fighting. Or You're allowed to on our show. It's just a reality. It's a league that still allows fighting, so you have to deal with it. I think that if Ottawa has um, um, something that is a way to level the playing field against teams which are all more talented and more experienced than they are, uh, it's going to be when the games get rougher because Ottawa is more suited to playing a chippy game. And if there's going to be more fights, they're more uh, they're built more for that than any other team in their division. So if there's something that can level off, you know, kind of numb some of the skill deficiencies that they're going to have against the other teams, you know, because their guys just aren't experienced. And when you say, you know, who might be the guys that do that? Um, I think if that happens, there won't be a guy. I think if that happens, it will be because more of the guys got to their highest level at the same time. I don't think this team is yet at a depth level where you could have one or two guys carry this whole team. I think if that happens, it's going to be because the, you know, the physicality of the games um, is kind of muted. Ottawa can, can mute that because they're more suited for that. Number one and number two, you would have to have Brady Kachuk and Colin White and Chris Tierney and Derek Stepan and Dad nothing like all these guys all having good seasons all at the same time. I, I just don't think that, uh, you know, Ottawa could have a couple of guys go on a run and that affect everything. But again, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, on, on paper right now, Ottawa looks, if you base it on skill level and experience, they would be last. But, you know, the old adage is you got to play the games and we'll see where they go and we'll see how many of the young kids blossom all at the same time. So, you know, you, 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 you know, all the, almost all the preseason prognosticators say that Toronto is going to be number one and based on skill, they should be, but we all know that may not happen. We all know Freddie Lilleman that maybe gone in the first round. So all I'm saying is, you know, even things that we know, we know Toronto is the most skilled team in, in, in this, uh, in the Northern division, but that doesn't mean they're number one, same as Ottawa is not the most skilled team, but that doesn't mean they're last. So we have to see, but um, you never know. You, you just never know. Yeah. Well, one thing about this mini like playoff style schedules, we'll finally get to see Brady Kachuk play the same team over and over again, which will make for some exciting hockey. Final question for me, Dean, and maybe it's not fair. Drake's got a few more years of pro experience, but who has the bigger impact on this Sens team, Drake Batherson or Tim Stutzla this season? Oh boy. That's a good question. Um, like to end off with a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, good took a while to get there, but we got there. Well, you know, good doesn't necessarily mean I have a good answer though. You know, that's the <laughs> thing. You know, just cause you have a good question. Doesn't mean I have a good answer. Um, got to remember I got stupid cornered, you know, like that's kind of my, my zone there. Um, I would probably say Tim Stutzla just because Drake Batherson, I think this year has turned the corner. I don't think it's going to be bouncing back and forth between the AHL and the NHL. I think he's going to be a regular NHL player, but they're different kinds of players at the NHL level. And, you know, Drake Batherson has become more of a, um, he's got a gritty side to him and he's hard to play against and he's got some good vision. He can make some passes, but just from day one, uh, he has more experience than Tim Stutzla, but not a ton more. Um, but Tim Stutzla's uh, skating and skill level are extremely high. So I'm, I'm going to say uh, of the, of those two selections, I'm going to say Timmy Stutzla. Safe pick at third overall. And he's been a guest on this show. And now you're a recurring guest, Dean, which means you have to come on whenever we ask. So we're going to take you up on that as well. We love your work at TSN 1200. I mentioned we sync the game with the radio just to hear you and Gord banter. And we're looking forward to finally 300 plus days later, getting it underway. Dean Brown, thank you very much for taking the time today on Locked On Senators.
Anytime, boys, you got my number. Stick taps to Dean for joining us again on the show. One of our first three-part interviews. Actually, I believe the only three-part interview because back in June when we talked to him, we had such a good time. Just stories for days, and he does an amazing job on the broadcast. Something I like to do is flip on my TV, but pause it and let it sync up with the radio because Dean Brown and Gord Wilson just call an unbelievable game. They just have so much fun doing it, and that's what you want your commentators to do. Oh, and Gord Wilson joins the show tomorrow. He'll be with us on Locked On Senators. But now, Pilsy, it's the organizational value rankings. We are getting dangerously close to the top, and we've added. We're doing four a show now. Let's start with number 16, Vitaly Abramov. He's been nursing an injury, so he hasn't been on the ice at training camp, although he does have games under his belt this season. What did you see from him in Jukerit? He was obviously not on the best team, but still produced offensively. Oh, yeah. You cannot stop Vitaly Abramov from scoring goals. This guy is hungry, and he was on fire in Liga. In eight games, he had seven points, including four goals in his first two games. Like, this season, he's he's going to be an offensive force in Belleville. Last season, he had 18 goals, 23 assists, and 51 games. He did get two games in Ottawa, had one goal there. He was a solid guy in Belleville. Like, we loved seeing him light it up, but sometimes he was a little streaky, eh, Ross? Like, he could be scoring in bunches one week, and then the next week, it's a little bit quiet. But what when he gets the puck in the offensive zone, it's incredible what he can do. Like, he's so good at deking out defensemen, getting to the net. And I tweeted out his highlight package from uh, Sen's prospect of last season. Watch how many breakaway goals and uh, clear clear shots he gets at the net because he can get around the defenseman so easily. And then that shot and uh, the offensive creativity he has is unreal. Hey, he had five goals and two assists, seven points in his first five games this season in the Liga, and then no points in his final three, although there was an injury in between that stretch as well. So we hope he gets back soon, but when he's in the lineup, you're right, just automatic offensively. Abracadabramov is the most appropriate nickname for him. You even heard Joey Decord say he saw a highlight of him on, on uh, YouTube when he was playing over in Finland. He's like, oh, I've seen that move a million times in practice, and he never misses the hands on it's unbelievable what does he have to work on the most to get to that nhl level i think he's gonna have to work on his play away from the puck and that's where you see him disappear for a week or so because if he's not getting those touches if he's not getting his offensive chances he kind of fades into the background similar to robbie yarventi right so these are guys that they're gonna have to figure out how to get involved in the game without scoring goals without touching the puck without getting shots that's what i want to see him work on but He's going to be a top-line guy in Belleville. Like, he, he's going to play probably with Josh Norris down there. He had a really good chemistry with him last year. If you watch those highlight packs, first guy in the goal celebration is usually Josh Norris. And I just think that he's going to be well-motivated, too. Like, this is his last year of his entry-level deal. And he's one of those guys that's caught in between the position where a couple guys we're going to get to today are fighting for that left-wing spot on the third line. So he's going to have to show he's the guy the Sens want to use there. Yeah, not having waivers definitely doesn't help Vitaly Abramov's case here. He can go up and down as many times this season, but when you're looking for that second contract, you know that every game is that much more important. So hopefully he can get back on the ice soon. He will be competing, however, with the next two guys on our list. So coming in at number 15, it's your favorite, Rudy Balsers. Now, he's made the number switch, no longer 38. He's going to 92. Is that the good luck charm that will push him in to an everyday NHLer? 
Hey, maybe he thinks he wasn't getting noticed at 38, so he's switching to 92, a little more uh, unique. It's got pop. Yeah, a little more unique, a little more interesting. So he's trying to catch the eye of the Senators management. We'll see if it works for him. This is a guy, 23 years old. He signed a one-year extension for 735K. He's looking for a lot more than that this season. My guy, Rudy, I've been a fan of him since he came over in the Carlson trade. Like, the thing, I don't understand why people are so down on him. Everywhere he goes, he puts up points. In 33 games last year in Belleville, he had 16 goals, 20 assists. He started the season off with a 15-game point streak. Like, he was so consistent. And I think if he gets a better chance in Ottawa, he's going to succeed. He played 15 games in Ottawa, only had a goal and assist, but he was averaging 12 to 15 minutes a night, which is right where I want him. I want him on that third-line kind of role. Like, two years ago, in 36 NHL games, he had five goals, nine assists. So that's right around a 30-point season if you finish, if you project it to 82-game uh, point projection. That's solid for your for a young 21-year-old tw- guy at that point on a third-line role. I think Rudy Balsters needs a real chance here, but he's going to have to work for it because there are no empty spots for him to just slot in there in the NHL. He seems like the kind of guy who, and although he would have to clear waivers, and that's not a guarantee by any stretch, he could be a good taxi squad candidate, I think, on this team. Yeah, and that's the thing. I struggle with where he's going to fit because he's he's too good for the AHL. He's not quite good enough to cement himself in the NHL. But do you really want a prized prospect, 23 years old, sitting on your taxi squad, not developing after? He just had a massive year. He hasn't played a uh, – well, he got to play in Norway, luckily. But he hasn't played in North America since March, right? And, hey, in Norway, he dominated once again – 15 points in 10 games. Obviously, he should be dominating. That's a lower league. And he was in that league six years ago, actually. But I just think Rudy Balsers needs a proper chance here to show what he can do. And I think people are going to be impressed. He's a smart player. And he went on that crazy point streak. I want to say 16 games. 15. 15, Yeah. And he was just automatic. Had 36 points, 33 games. And he was a plus 20, which you like to see. He can move up and down the lineup in Belleville. He was playing with anybody and everybody and whoever was on his line had their stats pumped. So it was a situation where, yeah, he just has to find that separating quality because like, are you a penalty killer? Can you grind a little bit more? That's the thing with Rudy. Like he just seems like he's a Jack of all trades, master of none type thing. And you need that one separating quality. So say something nice about him is just that his offensive awareness is great. And he can make these little plays that result in positive plays for the team. So when it comes to his season projection, he's a very interesting guy to watch for. I think that if we do this next year, he's either going to jump up three or four spots or he's going to go down 10 or 15. So a make or break year for Rudy Balsers, but he comes in right now at number 15 on our organizational value rankings, going up to number 14, younger than both of these last two, but has the inside track well give him the outside track when he's skating because this guy can fly it's Alex Formanton at number 14 like comes in as a second round pick traded the pick to get him for Curtis Lazar so that's looking really nice right now and he was just like a a, a speed demon right but not much else now his hands have caught up to his feet and he's clutch how many overtime goals did this guy get in Belleville if it's four on four even at the NHL level He'd be the first guy I put over the boards in Ottawa because he has that, like I like I said, Rudy doesn't. He has a separating quality. and Nobody can catch up to him. It's unbelievable what he can do. And what did you see from him in Belleville last year that would 
give you the impression that he can step up and continue his development curve. Yeah, well, you hit the, the nail on the head with the hammer right there. It's it's that quality of him having that speed. He's the fastest player in this organization easily. He has NH like I bet in the NHL he's probably in the top ten in speed. Like fastest skater at the AHL All Star game last year. Exactly. Yeah, he's already he's already captured that league for sure. Um, now with Alex Formanton here, I think the big difference for him is obviously his speed, but where he's going to be able to use that really well is it makes him a great penalty killer. You mentioned how four on four, he's, he's so good because there's a little more ice. Hey, even when it's five on four, the other team has a man advantage that gives him a little more space. All Alex Formanton needs is one step on a defender, one step and he's gone. And that works great for penalty killing. Puck's coming along the board. Defenseman tries to stop it on the power play. It bobbles on him. Alex Formanton gets a stick on it, and he's gone. And yeah, he scores game-winning goals. He's so clutch. I think this guy, he's a couple, he's a little bit behind Balster, Schlappick, Ramov, mostly age-wise and experience-wise. So I don't think we're going to see him uh, surpass those guys in this year or even next year. But he is on the right track to be an incredible penalty killer. And he's going to be a coach's dream when he gets to the NHL one day. It's going to be really interesting to follow his development curve. 27 goals in Belleville, only overshadowed by the unbelievable season of Josh Norris. But man, Alex Formanton, like if he can continue that in 65 penalty minutes, that's something we have to touch on Alex Formanton. He plays with an edge. He is not afraid to mix it up. He's a pest. He'll get under your skin and he's the perfect type player. The reason why I think he might make the team, not out of camp, but be one of the first call-ups and he does not need waivers either is because that speed just catches a coach's eye. That's why he made the team at 18. Everyone recalls Guy Boucher saying he has McDavid-esque speed. And everyone was like, ha this second-round pick, 18-year-old? Yeah, right. And then you look at him, and you better have your head on a swivel when he's on the ice, even just watching the game, because he'll blow past you in a millisecond. So a really fun player to watch, I think. We could call Alex Formanton, eh? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So much fun to watch. And... Yeah, I think you talked about uh, him getting a little feisty. I, th- I love the passion and I love that he's not afraid to mix it up because often those speedy skill guys won't do that. But he needs to work on timing that passion. There's been a couple times where he's taken bad penalties and I've just been raving about how good of a penalty killer he is. Can't do much good when you're the guy in the penalty box, right? So he just needs to work on picking his moments where he's going to let that frustration out. And I think uh, he's going to be a real good NHL player soon. He's a guy I think will be higher on this list next year. But for now, he comes in at number 14. Now we move to number 13 today. It's Shane the Bean Pinto. He had an unbelievable NCHC pod. He had 13 points in 10 games. And then what does he do last night? Has another assist, and he's dominant in the faceoff circle. Ho-hum, 65% in the dot this year. Talk about a riser ever since the pick. He was the best forward at the World Juniors for Team USA in 2020. And then this year... He just, he just hit the ground running. It's unbelievable to watch his development. Here's a guy who you always see these, these players drafted as centers, and then they have to move to the wing. This guy's going to be an NHL center iceman, no question about it. There's no doubt. Like We talked about Formington with his speed being his special skill. Shane Pinto's ability to win faceoffs is going to make him such a coveted guy for coaches. I mean, DJ Smith already joked, let's get him on the team. We'll we'll just get him in for faceoffs, then take him off the ice. He'll win the faceoff, then come off. Like That's how good this guy is. I will never forget 
the 18 and 0 faceoff game. I you just that's that's incredible. I'll never forget that. And every single game this season, he's won more faceoffs than he's lost. He's always been on the positive side of the faceoffs and he's really good at winning clean faceoffs, which might not sound like a big deal, but winning that clean faceoff to your defenseman in the ozone, then he passes it over to a winger or other D-man for a one-timer. That's a perfect offense, and that's a set play that can get you a goal in under five seconds. So that's just an incredible skill, and Shane Pinto is going to be a dominant force. I think he starts next season as the number one center in Belleville. Yeah, you don't think that there's a chance he could come in and make the team right away? You have expiring contracts all over the place. Stepan, Anisimov, Paquette. Like, there's going to be spots open, and I think that he's the kind of guy that can step in and take a spot right away. I wouldn't be surprised, and I, I think he's got the skill set and the ability to do it, but then you mentioned the guys leaving, Stepan, Anisimov. Uh, th- I think those guys are going to get replaced, hopefully, by Josh Norris and Logan Brown. And then I think Cedric Paquette will be a guy that returns. So what's his separating skill? Is it face-offs, or what else in his game can stand out? Well, it's the face-offs, no, no doubt about it. But also, our guy Henry Brown sends prospect. He'll tell you right away, tipping pucks, his ability to get... Uh, deflections, tips, his hand-eye coordination in front of the net is incredible. And that's going to cause a lot of grief for goalies uh, coming up here. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic to watch the rest of the Nodak Sens season. They're in number one for Bucci's poll that he put out, John Gross of ESPN. So we'll see where they're in the real polls. But what I do know is they have a real shot at not only the Penrose Cup, but also a national championship, which is why they all went back anyways. They were offering contracts to JBD and Shane Pinto coming out of last year. So we'll see where all that goes. By the way, one more note on that Nodak Sens game last night. Jake Sanderson just looks fantastic. Like, I almost think he looked better in a college game than at the World Juniors. And people talked about how steady he was against his own age group. But, man, he just makes, like, so many easy plays. Twice guys were coming in the forecheck as he was breaking out. And he just, no look, backhand, reverse play, and right on the other guy's tape. And it's the easiest breakouts ever. It's unreal. So if you haven't gotten the NCHC package, highly recommend that. But the real thing is not soon away it's the ottawa senators on friday night tomorrow there will be a roster announcement we don't know when when we find out we will either record right after or we'll save it for wednesday's show but we do have gord wilson on tomorrow's show as well hope you enjoyed for brandon pillar i'm ross levitan this has been the locked on senators podcast your team every day